The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European edition. Today, El Clasico. Are Barca back? Could Carlo get the sack? And what will getting drawn against Chelsea do to his prospects? Rome derby. Lorenzo and Tammy carve up Lazio like Pastrami. There's more from the Bundesliga with Bayern flying and the beer cups too, plus the latest PSG implosion. All that plus more in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. All right, week commencing 21st of March. Listeners, you join us with, I think, what's going to be a pretty broad-ranging Euro edition of your Totally. We've got that Alvaro Romeo for you. All right, Alvaro? Hola. Mm. Jules, you're looking fine. Julian Laurent's in his pink striped shirt. Bonjour. Voila. And also James Horncastle. Hello, James. Hello. All right. The Antonella Venditti of podcasting. And uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I'm 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 slightly throwing forward to moment of the weekend. I should should mention Christoph Biermann will be with us uh, shortly as well, uh, with a bundle of things to talk about there, from Felix Maggot to suspended games to Germany's sides in the Euro draws. But anyway, mention moment of the weekend with Paddy Power. Let's hear yours, uh, James. <laughs> well, you alluded to it. Antonello Venditti, the uh, crooner, the writer of the great Roman songbook, Mm. uh, being there before the Rome derby began, taking his seat next to Francesco Totti and then singing uh, his own song, which was played around him uh, in the biggest game that the city has every year. What song is that, James? It is Roma, 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 James. Um, And... Got to sing Grazia Roma afterwards, but After, yeah. I think everyone was saying Grazia Tammy because uh, right. Tammy scored a brace, uh, got the quickest goal in this fixture's history. First player to get a, a, a doppietta, if you, if you want to call it that, in this fixture since 2015 when that was Totti and Totti took a selfie in front of the Curva Sud. 3-0 win against Lazio uh, and they get to celebrate uh, and gloat about it for the next two weeks which is yeah. it, I mean to be a Laziale now in Rome uh, it's not a great experience Have the Laziale been out at Formello at the training ground today knocking heads I don't think I, taking I don't names think so no? not, not right. yet they haven't stormed the training ground so alright perhaps All because right. the players uh, immediately left to get their, their planes for their various international games so wise well, Anyway, all right. Well, that was one moment of the weekend. Here comes another. Jules? I will pick, not to start on a, on a too negative note, I will go for Florian Soutoka's goal for Lens. Uh, if you haven't seen it against Clermont, it's an amazing goal because he waits for the Clermont goalkeeper to put the ball on the floor. He's in his hands and Soutoka mm-hmm. is hiding behind like no one has seen me, no one has seen me. The keeper definitely didn't, didn't see him, put the ball on the floor to kick it long and then Soutoka... Right sprints, goes in front of the keeper, gets the ball, goes run, and then in a very narrow angle, managed to um, to score. It's an amazing goal if you haven't watched it, and it's definitely, definitely, definitely my moment of the week. You saw it just derrière. I don't know if you saw it. There Florian Sotoka. Look at Florian Sotoka, who has done the mistake, he has forgotten. Florian Sotoka! Right, and I don't think there's anything else we need to talk about from Ligue 1. Definitely, no, I think we can move on. We'll move on, we'll move on. Right, okay, Avro, meantime, quiet weekend in Spain, much? Massive weekend, and uh, Barcelona is back. That is the headline for me of the weekend, and uh, yeah, the headline of La Liga uh, in March, because uh, they beat Real Madrid 4-0 at Santiago Bernabéu. We hadn't seen a victory of uh, Barcelona at Santiago Bernabéu since Ernesto Valverde's times. And it was the style and also the togetherness of it. I mean, I've got a few, you know, postcard-type images in my head, like the way they celebrated the, the third goal of Barcelona, and the way they chastised Vinicius for diving, the way Araujo celebrated a throw-in after having won the ball, or uh, Adama's compromise defensively, or even another postcard that I've got in my head, how Santiago Bernabéu only had one chance to applaud their team 
in the game, which was when Camavinga got the yellow card. Because that right. was summarizing it all. I mean, that was everything that Real Madrid did during the game. That was the only time that a player at least showed a little bit of rebellion against the scoreline. So, great weekend for Barcelona, mm. for nil against Real Madrid, and yeah, a beautiful and a, probably a very strengthening result for Xavi Hernández's project as well. We'll be diving into that post office of ahead of yours, Alvaro, next then for some Clasco thoughts on the Totally Football Show. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your 4 plus fold acre lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. Plus, be gamble aware. Dot well, that was that third Barca goal Sunday night going in because of Fran Torres. A game, so few people will know what happened in this game, uh, Alvaro, because everyone was across Bologna, Atlanta with us Sunday night, James. Eh? So, great story though in that game. Which the Bologna, Atlanta, it's true actually, there was a magnificent story. Yeah. A moment of the weekend, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> no, but the Clásico, because Barcelona had lost five straight Clásicos, Alvaro, and Real Madrid hadn't been beaten in the Liga at home all season. So what happened here? has to be said that maybe Real Madrid underestimated Barcelona a little bit. I've got that feeling. Or underestimated the importance of this game, because, of course, they were not going to slack off against Barcelona at uh, Santiago Bernabéu, but at the same time, uh, the game didn't have a massive importance, at least in terms of numerics, in terms of points, and Real Madrid knew that they could lose this game, and they are still set to win La Liga um, for the second time in three years. But um, I think that these results, they've got an impact, and probably this uh, didn't leave a good mark on Carlo Ancelotti, and probably Florentino Pérez has taken note, uh, a note of, you know, uh, what Real Madrid is capable of not doing as well when they are not having a good day. Uh, I think that Barcelona simply um, improved a lot over the last uh, two months, I would say. Uh, there is a massive difference between the lineup that Barcelona presented in the first week of the year with Ilias up there and Luke de Jong up front, and the lineup that they presented the other day at Santiago Bernabeu uh, with Aubameyang, Ferran Torres, Dembélé. The playing up front, uh, then uh, a player like Adama Traoré, Memphis Depay coming from the bench. They had scored many goals away this season. Uh, they scored four at Napoli, they scored four against uh, um, Valencia, then they scored against Atletico Bilbao, Osasuna, uh, four goals always, also four against Atletico. And it happened against, against Real Madrid, again against mm. Real Madrid. Uh, this is a team that. Uh, went to Santiago Bernabeu and they used all the width of the pitch and they used all the length of the pitch in their favour. I mean, the ball went from Ferran to Dembélé to Pedri, uh, then long balls from Eric Garcia to Frenkie de Jong that ended up in a chance of Aubameyang. I think that Barcelona was excellent using the full uh, size of Santiago Bernabeu and Real Madrid was shocked from the very beginning. I think that of course, they were going to miss Karim Benzema because Karim mm. Benzema is the guy who has the best connection with Vinicius and with Modric. And those wires couldn't be entangled because Benzema wasn't there, so that connection didn't exist. But still, does that justify the image of Real Madrid? I don't think so. Uh, but I also believe that we have to give a lot of credit for Barcelona because everything worked very well. And uh, Aubameyang was excellent. He scored two goals. And then everyone in general played a, a fantastic game. All right, Aubameyang... Nine goals now in his last eight games for Barca. He's also scored seven in five against Real Madrid, one of his favourite opponents. The other one's coming back in his Borussia Dortmund days. A symbol of this of how far Barcelona have come in the four months under Xavi. Has it also been hailed in Madrid as a symbol of maybe Carlo Ancelotti's limitations? Yes, a little bit. I think that that was always going to happen because there are um, journalists in Madrid, very influential ones, that they don't like Carlo Ancelotti, uh, that they still remember the second season of Ancelotti at Real Madrid that didn't go too well, even though at the beginning it was good and he won the Champions League in 2014. And uh, there were just... Um, some media outlets uh, outlets waiting for him to make a mistake or to, to bottle it in one game and it happened this time. I think that uh, 
it is a very damning in indictment, uh, the fact that uh, when Benzema is not there, Real Madrid is not competitive. Uh, this is very dangerous. Uh, the sporting direction of Real Madrid, they've been too focused on bringing Kylian Mbappé to Real Madrid and they have forgotten that some other sides of the squad needed probably some refreshing, some new players as well. And uh, yeah, everything, all the money has been devoted to Mbappé, who is uh, likely to... to end up arriving at Real Madrid this summer but yeah, some things have been forgotten here and there, I think that uh, for example the midfield needs uh, better replacements uh, I think that Benzema should have someone else uh, who could deputize for him apart from Luka Jovic apart from Mariano and then Carlo Ancelotti, uh, I have praised him a lot. I think this season he understood very quickly that uh, when Barcelona, Atletico, uh, especially these two, were having a bad time, uh, he had to fill the same lineup week after week to get as many points as possible mm. and then enjoy this massive advantage. But that has gone in detriment of uh, some other players that could have been important yesterday, but they weren't available at all. Gareth Bale wasn't in the match day squad, even though he's mm. not injured. Eden Hazard didn't feature. Isco is not playing. You know, there are some players over there that I believe that they could be a little bit more important for Ancelotti, but the Italian man hasn't used them. I see. Barcelona, meanwhile, when Xavi first gave that press conference where he said, we're going to win by playing better, we all had a little chuckle. If it were only that simple, would that it were so simple, Xavi. But these few months on, Jules, James, are you now, are you now ready to hail the diminutive genius of Xavi as a manager as well as a player? <laughs> we always were in Xavi. Were I mean, he, he, was not, he could not have done worse than the Dutch guy before him, who was ridiculous anyway. I do think that Carlo and Ramon Ronald made, Koeman, Barcelona legend. Made him far, <laughs> far, who is still whinging about it, by the way, and being not good enough for that job. Carlo made it far too easy for Xavi, though. And I think Xavi deserves a lot of credit, and Alvaro is right. And they scored four against Atletico and against Bilbao and against Napoli mm. away, and they dismantled them as well. And you see the clear direction and how well they're playing with the ball, without the ball, the shape, etc. But my word, how did Carlo even think that he could win the game with that tactics, with that starting 11? It's crazy. For someone like him, to have it so wrong, and they got it wrong against PSG in the first leg, but at least there was a second leg, and as we saw, they turned around, blah, blah, blah. But mm. for Carlo to get it so wrong in a game like this, I was very, very disappointed. James? Oh, you didn't see it. You were watching Bologna-Atlanta. It's best to, it's best to lose <laughs> one game 4-0 than four games 1-0. Oh, well, I can't believe yeah. you just said so, that. What, so. what year is it? Oh, yeah, 1975. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. These losses... Uh, yep can potentially have repercussions. I think that this is going to stay at the back of the mind of Florentino Perez. Rafa Benitez was uh, sacked pretty much after El Clásico. Same thing happened to Lopetegui. This is not going to happen to Carlo Ancelotti because Real Madrid is still alive in the Champions League. They are top in the table. Mm -hmm. But there is an understanding, I would say that in Spain, that uh, this Real Madrid didn't have a strong opposition in La Liga this year. But next season they will have it. They will have it because Barcelona seems to be back. So, you know, I think that, as I said before, this game is leaving a mark on Carlo Ancelotti, a question mark, and I think that it's going to be very difficult for the Italian man to, to get rid of it. I see. Yeah, I think what, what ultimately the, the mark that will be left on Carlo Ancelotti will be, he yeah, will become on. the first coach to win every league wow. in Europe's top five leagues. Whether it's a weak league or not, someone still has to go and win it, and Real Madrid will win it. I mean, so... I take the point that the Clásico went badly wrong, but if there's any, any time when you can think, oh, I'm going to experiment, it's when you're 10 points clear, not even of Barcelona, you're 10 points clear, and you're through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League having, having come back against Paris Saint-Germain. So I think, you know, one game doesn't sink a season. Ultimately. Maybe so. this game does, though. 100% with James. I, I totally agree with him. But Flore Florentino has a different mind frame. I mean, right. Florentino has a different modus operandi. And it's been there. It's been there. What? We've seen it happening. So I think that Carlo Ancelotti, really, right mm. now, he's not the most devoted person or the most liked person uh, at Paldebebas. Real Madrid, for now, still alive in the Champions League, as you say. However, they've drawn Chelsea in the, uh, in the quarterfinals. Crikey. Uh, what, what did they make of that in, uh, in Spain, Alvaro? What was the reaction? I think that uh, if Real Madrid only wins the league, it will be probably a decent season. But <laughs> since the league has been taken for granted since January, um, it wouldn't be enough. 
it wouldn't be enough. There will be a feeling that Real Madrid didn't just uh, fulfill uh, the expectations. And I think that if Carlo Ancelotti mm, and Real Madrid don't manage to make it to the semifinals of the Champions League, it's going to be rather disappointing. Yes, I've got that feeling because also last season Real Madrid lost to Chelsea, but that was right. a better Chelsea than mm -hmm. this one, and that was a worse in Real Madrid than this one, but this season Real Madrid feels not necessarily very superior to Chelsea, but feels better than last year. So, yeah, it would be very disappointing. I couldn't be able to tell you, yes, if Real Madrid loses against Chelsea, doesn't go through to the semifinals, mm -hmm. Carlo Ancelotti is going to be automatically sacked, but I think that, that would be it. Oh. I mean, but, but, I mean, where did they go? Is it serious? Are they going to appoint Pochettino? What, 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 they, what, what, yeah, what is next for... James, you're very angry it, today. I know, I, it's I just, so pro-Italian. I just find it bizarre. I mean, I understand this is occasionally what Florentino does or what he's done in the past, but like, uh, I mean, Real Madrid used to go years without winning the league, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of... We, 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 I mean, that, that all of a sudden became a big thing for Zidane because it was like, oh, we only win the Champions League these days because who started that off? Carlo with the with the decima. So I mean it's 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 mad I think. I mean I, I just it's Madrid. I, That's what it is. I wouldn't James. know where they go. Do they just mm. go do they do what they did last summer which is say okay um one of our former managers is at a middling club um let's go and get him. Uh so we got mm. Carlo from Everton. Let's go get Jose from from Roma. I, I don't know where they go. I, you wish. Now um what what do you think about Real Madrid's prospects by the way against Chelsea? We were talking about on Monday in the Totally Show after Chelsea's win at Borough, Tuchel's extraordinary running knockout football, putting together PSG results and Chelsea since the start of the 1920 season. All 27 cup knockout ties that he's managed in with Chelsea, he's won every single one. Obviously, that doesn't include finals, but just amazing. What do you, what do you think? Real Madrid against Chelsea? It's going to be tough. Uh, historically, Spanish clubs don't do too well in Stamford Bridge. Uh, I think that Barcelona suffered a lot there. Last season, Sevilla, Atletico and Real Madrid couldn't beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. And I think that Real Madrid depends a lot on Karim Benzema. At the end of the day, against PSG, I can only recall four scoring opportunities for Karim Benzema. He scored three goals. So uh, Real Madrid doesn't have anyone who can replace Karim Benzema right now, uh, giving not even the 10% of the scoring guarantees that Karim Benzema is giving you. So I think that if Benzema is not fit for that game, it's going to be very difficult for Real Madrid because they cannot play with anyone in the box that has an intimidating factor. So I think that the Benzema thing is key. Hopefully he will be recovered by the beginning of April just to face Chelsea. Hmm. Well, if Real do get through, they could be facing Atletico Madrid in a semi-final derby. Crikey. Atletico Madrid, who've drawn Man City, having beaten one Manchester side. They're now up against the other. Jules, you got any thoughts on... What kind of numbers City might do against Atletico Madrid? Yeah, so I think I think Chelsea is a very bad draw for Real Madrid. I was asking about Man City, Atletico I know, Madrid. No, no, but I wanted to give my oh, I see, right, sorry, because right. <laughs> of the structure. Because this Real Madrid team cannot press, so if they play against a team that is very good against the press, mm. which Chelsea are, considering it's only Real Madrid pressing, and usually it's only Karim Benzema pressing. It's, it's become diffi very difficult for them. And if they play against a team that presses them really well, as we saw on Sunday night against Barcelona, then they very much struggle to get anything in place together. So I think this could be tough. And I think it'd be tough for Atletico Madrid. I get the whole, is the two extreme, is the, the two different philosophies, style of football, contrast. I think over two games, it's too much, too much intensity for Atleti, too much, too much pressure from, from City. They, they're too good. And even when they're not on the top of their game, I still think they've got enough enough to beat Atletico Madrid. So I think Atletico did really well against United, but I mean United are miles behind City, and I still think that City would be too strong for them. It's a proper contrast of a style, James, and uh, probably our listeners don't know this, but Simeone, before he became a coach, uh, he spent uh, I don't know if a few weeks or a few days at Barcelona's camp, watching Barcelona train Barcelona. 
uh, because mm-hmm. we wanted to learn more, wh- to, to integrate more knowledge, to incorporate things and all that. And um, after spending a few days with Guardiola, <laughs> uh, he told him, well, Pepe, you know, this is not for me. I don't like it. I don't, li- <laughs> I, I don't, I don't like this kind of football. And actually, uh, he was not lying because uh, Simeone's football is totally different to Pep's. I think that he respects Pep Guardiola, but his football is uh, totally opposing to what Guardiola does. That's for sure. The good thing for Atletico de Madrid is that uh, they are looking better right now. After they lost against bottom of the table, Levante, they have won six, they have thrown one game. And Joao Felix, for example, is looking like a proper, proper uh, good footballer now. Mm. Antoine Griezmann is playing more, uh, and this is very important for him because he needs to gain fitness. Uh, and I do believe that uh, Coque's uh, return is very important for Atletico because he's making Atletico very solid. Okay, he scored at the weekend against Raya Vallecano. Atletico Madrid and Barcelona are now just three points behind Sevilla, who hang on to second place but only managed a nil-nil draw at the weekend. Barcelona will be facing Sevilla when La Liga returns. Man City taking on Atletico Madrid then in the uh, quarterfinals of the Champions League. The other side of the draw has Benfica taking on Liverpool and the, and the winner of that will be taking on whoever comes out of Villarreal against Bayern Munich. Christoph will be giving us his thoughts on, on Bayern shortly, but I guess most people would be expecting a Liverpool-Bayern semi-final there, hmm? Yeah, I think so, definitely. And I think Benfica, no offence to them, but uh, with with the second leg at home was the, the dream the dream draw for all the big boys and Liverpool got it. Well done to them. Hmm. Uh, and then I think the second dream draw was Villarreal with the second leg at home and Bayern got that one. So well done to them as well. This is... Hmm. This is the draw for you. They, there's, I, there's no way Benfica can can do what they did to Ajax times five, maybe times ten to be able to beat Liverpool over two legs. We saw Inter playing really well and winning at Anfield, but this Benfica team doesn't have at all the same qualities that Inter have. Did uh, you see that lovely seven, Rafa Silva goal at the weekend? Yeah, that's great. Mm. But this is not, you know, all in right. terms even on. On again facing the pressure, the, the, what makes City and Liverpool so good and Bayern to a certain extent is the intensity and the pressure is so relentless for 90 minutes, 180 minutes to go at you all the time to recover the ball so quickly and go back and again and again and again. I think you have to be so strong to cope with it, let alone try to score and go into their box. Uh, I, I just think it's too the gap is too big for Villarreal or Benfica, for example, when they face those kind of teams. I see, all right. Rafa Silva picking up the ball from an Estoril corner, running three quarters of the length of the field to calmly slide it past the Estoril keeper. Extraordinary. But as you say, tougher opponents lie in wait in the Champions League. Well, we've still got loads to talk about on this Totally Football Show, but that was some Clasico and related chat. We'll talk more about Barcelona later when we talk about their draw for the Europa League quarterfinals. But next up, woohoo, Rome Derby. So what do you think about this Jesse Marsh then? I quite like him. He's American and American managers never get relegated, do they? That's because there's no relegation in Major League Soccer. Oh. It would be generous to say Leeds definitely won't get relegated, but if you want generous, try Paddy Power's Bet Builder offer and get money back as a free bet if one leg of your fourfold Bet Builder lets you down. Paddy Power. Pre-match online Bet Builder bets only. Win odds one to five per leg. Max free bet £10 per day. Seven day free bet expiry. Excludes enhanced match odds. Eligibility restrictions and T's and C's apply. 18 plus begamblerware.org. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. sound there of the Curva Sud on a memorable day for Romanisti Sunday a 3-0 derby win over hated rivals Lazio stuttering Roma steely Lazio was the story before the game but they blew them away two goals from Tammy Abraham in the space of 20 minutes and then an absolute peach of a free kick from Lorenzo Pellegrini crikey Tammy Abraham will come to in a second that that has there been a better free kick in Europe this season than that Pellegrini free kick. Sul punto di battuta va Pellegrini. 
Well, that's right up there because uh, the distance, I think it's about 28 yards uh, out, and it's it's out until it's in, uh, and it goes in the only place where Stadakosha can't get it. Um, actually, thought Stadakosha did pretty well, kind of mm. try to cover that angle, but it was just perfectly placed. And, you know, we can talk about Tammy, but for a player like Lorenzo Pellegrini, who is Roman through and through, he's mm. from... Chinachita East. Um, yeah, so this is where this was kind of like Rome's Hollywood, I suppose, back in the day when, you know, Fellini and everyone made movies. Uh, it's where Nesta grew up. And, you know, he, he grew up on the kind of red and yellow side of the tracks and, uh, and came through the academy. Obviously, then went to Sassuolo, was brought back um, by the club. Hasn't always been an easy time for him because. Uh, Roma fans are very demanding um, and uh, yeah I remember when they lost 6-1 to Bodo Glimt he went over with some of the other players to kind of apologise for for that disgrace um, and threw his jersey into the stands to the travelling fans to say at least you've got this and they threw it back at him um, and so um, yeah big moment for uh, for Lorenzo Pellegrini and you know as, as, as one of the Romans who was watching I think at home because it was his wife's birthday, so he couldn't be at the stadium. as De Rossi, and he just uh, he just posted la, la, la domenica perfetta non esiste. Uh, that's what people think. Yeah, the perfect Sunday doesn't exist until mm. Roma won three 0 in the derby against right. Lazio. You mentioned Bodo Glimp. <laughs> The draw on Friday when Roma got Bodo glimped out of the hat. Anyway, we'll, we'll come on to the Conference League draw soon enough, but some love for Tammy Abraham, whose numbers now read 23 goals for the season, smashing the previous best for a first Giallorossi campaign, which had been held by both Vincenzo Montella and Gabriele Battistuta. He's now got nine goals since the start of the year. In Europe's top five leagues, only one player... The machine like Lewandowski has got more. It's extraordinary. It is extraordinary. I mean, you know, Montello and Batistuta um, scored, what, 21 goals in their, their first season in a Serie A, which was still a Campionato più bello del mondo. It was the, the best league in the world. Um, it was a league that had a different emphasis. Uh, it was more defensive. It's harder for strikers to score. If you got a half chance, you were lucky in Serie A those days. Um, these days, it's more attacking league. Yeah, defenders are expected to build up from the back. They make mistakes. But nevertheless, for, for, for Tammy to do this in his first year, uh, new country, new club, um, new teammates. Um, you know, I think one of the things that, uh, again, you look at this season is you know, he started playing in one system, with one strike partner, that was Elder Shomurodov. Then they moved to another. He's played with Mikitayan up front there. Uh, and then they switched to another system. And he's played with Zaniolo. Zaniolo, who didn't start, didn't even come on, I don't think, in, in the in the derby. It's never phased Tammy. You know, he's 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 kept scoring, uh, even when he went through a bit of a lean spell in, in sort of October time. Anyone who was watching could see that he was getting in the right positions. He was just unlucky, a little bit inaccurate with his finishing or... He hit the woodwork, you know, five times in City A, he's hit the post of the crossbar. Um, so if anything, if any of those goals had gone in, he would be right up there with Immobile and Vlajevic as the top scorers in the league mm. um, right now. And uh, it's not an easy place to go and play your football, Rome. Um, you know, it's. It, I remember Edin Dzeko when he went there, yeah, it took him a year. Um, to, to kind of adapt and uh, be accepted as well. Uh, instead, Tammy makes it all look very easy. Uh, and, seem, and the things that weigh other players down, he seems to shrug off and take in his stride. So, yeah, that, I think if you're an England fan, I think that's, that's, that's very encouraging because, you know, you want someone who has that kind of presence on that kind of stage. Um, so... Uh, yeah, you can't help but take your hat off to him. Although Mourinho said, ah, you know, I mean, he played well today, but against Vitesse, I didn't see him tracking back like he did uh, he did against Lazio. So, you know, I mean, he could do that in every game, not just, mm. you know, one in two. So, we Well, go. Roma as a whole didn't play against Vitesse like they did against Lazio. They were all over them, swarming 
energized, no doubt, by their inspirational manager, Jose Mourinho, who posted a series of pictures of himself looking smug. Not once, not twice, but three times in the course of Sunday evening. Never enough pictures. Yeah, he knew he was going to win. Yeah. That's, that, that was the point behind it. Uh, I think he's done that before. I seem to remember the Europa League final when United played Ajax. Um, look, I mean, I've, I've been critical of Jose. I think it's the season hasn't gone exactly to plan so far. You know, I, I still think they could have done better. I think fourth spot has been up for grabs. Um, this season when you think that Juventus spent a month in the relegation zone and six months without Tuzan Vlajevic um, Atalanta have regressed and and yet they're still off the pace even even with that win on Sunday so yeah, even appointing Mourinho even spending what they have I think um, it's reasonable to expect Roma to have done better this season however for the next two weeks they will be able to bathe in the glory of mm. uh, uh, of that win, and it, and it certainly does give a, a different luster, I think, to uh, to the season. Countdown to Bodo Glimp now for Roma fans. Revenge and the Europa League conference, perhaps. Although Bodo Glimp proved against Celtic that they are no flash in the pans. Remember, six one they beat Roma. In is it Glimped? Is it Bodo? Wherever it is they're from, and apologies to it's you. Bodo Glimped. Glimped means lightning. Oh, really? Bodo glimped. There you go. In Bodo. That was the heaviest defeat of Mourinho's career so far. Brackets. Surely that's the best draw ever, right? <laughs> yeah, because it, that's his team talk made for him already. Can you just imagine if they'd played someone a bit like different or tougher that they haven't met before, played before, but now not only you've played them, but they've hammered you. It's perfect. Mm, might be deemed perfect for Bodo glimped as well. Anyway, the other draws are... Leicester against PSV, Feyenoord against Slavia Prague, Feyenoord who were beaten 3-2 by Ajax this weekend in the Eredivisie, and Marseille, who are back into form now, mm. uh, and back in second place in Ligue 1, they'll be taking on Pauk. Who do you fancy in the Conference League? I think Marseille have a chance, they really yeah. do, uh, they... they Sampaoli, in, in fairness to him, I, I thought he was more stubborn than that. But instead of being too stubborn, listen to his players. I think listens to people at the club as well, even to the fans to a certain extent to make to 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 stop being as crazy maybe as he was a few months ago, and instead just going back to to sort of basics. Even for him, in terms of where you play, some players. What a system! Not being too versatile or trying to be overthinking everything, and that's why they've been they've been so good again. And I think they're very solid. And whoever plays, I think they would be too strong for Pauk, no problem. And then, obviously, the semi final again. I think they should they should they should go through. So then, I expect Marseille to reach the final and then probably face Roma in the final. So that could be tough for them, but I I fully expect Marseille to go really far. All right, Leicester, meanwhile, are on Roma's side of the draw. They're taking on PSV, as we mentioned. All very interesting. What about the Europa League draw? We'll get Christoph's thoughts on uh, Eintracht Frankfurt-Barcelona very, very shortly. Uh, you've got Braga against Rangers, who beat Braga, in fact, in the last 32 of this competition a couple of seasons ago. Leipzig against Atalanta. Again, we'll talk to Christoph about that and hear from James as well. But Jules, tell us briefly, before we join our German expert, about West Ham Leon, what kind of Leon will the Hammers be facing? Well, uh, you know, if if it's the Leon from the Europa League, it's a it's a tough it's a tough Leon who very solid. We saw that against Porto. We saw that in the uh, in the group stages as well. They're unbeaten this season. They they are very much the sort of Jekyll and Hyde, if you want, in the league. They're so inconsistent, so average at times, like they were at the weekend away at Reims, where they were, again, mediocre, despite having enough chances to win the game, but overall mediocre. But when it comes to the Europa League and those big nights, they are so much better. Paqueta, Toko Ekambi, defensively as well. Even Peter Bosch, I think, thrives on those nights, not so much in Ligue 1. That's why they're only like 10th or 9th in Ligue 1. But they've really been flying in Europe. So for me, it's a 50-50 game. Yeah, West Ham is solid and they're so strong. And it's their first quarterfinals in, in Europe since 1981. So it's a big deal for them. But they, they can't underestimate this Lyon side. No, but you can't estimate, underestimate these hammers. A. Alvaro after that 2-0 victory last Thursday over Sevilla. 
Yeah, I was there at the ground and uh, I was very impressed. I think that uh, sometimes we tend to underestimate a little bit the importance and the value of performances alone because we tend to think that trophies are the only thing that matter. Probably that angle, we get it given by the fact that uh, we tend to see a lot of big clubs playing, right? But I think that for teams like West Ham United, beating Sevilla like that, it was almost like a title. I mean, I've never heard such explosion of jubilation as I heard the other day when the referee called the end of the game against Sevilla. And West Ham was much better. And I think this is a performance that will stay with West Ham fans for a long time. I think that they were energetic, they were better than Sevilla, and on top of that, they believed. Uh, I think that they had that hunger that Sevilla didn't have. So West Ham are going to be very dangerous for Lyon as well. Wow. Those uh, Europa League quarterfinals and the Conference League, and presumably, what, one half of the Champions League will be coming up the weeks of 7th and 14th of April. Crikey. Next up, off to Germany. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. And that'll be good news for Antonio Conte when he finally realises he's the manager at Tottenham Hotspur and they don't ever win titles. Pre-match bet builders only get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Maximum free bet is £10. Excludes enhanced match odds. Online exclusives and T's and C's apply. Joining us now on the show, Christoph Beerman. Hello, Christoph. Hi, guys. Hello. Christoph, a lot to discuss. Yes. I've got a big win for Bayern Munich, an abandoned game at Bochum, Felix Magath in Berlin as well. But should we begin with events in the game between Bochum and, and Borussia Mönchengladbach? Gladbach 2-0 up, and then what happened? And then somebody was uh, throwing a plastic beer cup from the, I would say, first or second row and uh, hitting the linesman at the head and he was actually injured he went to to hospital had some slight concussion and uh, and the match was abandoned and it was the first time in uh, the third time only in the history of the Bundesliga uh, that a match had had to be abandoned because of somebody was throwing something onto the pitch. There was one match in the 70s when they were still throwing beer bottles at Kaiserslautern and 10 years ago there was a similar situation like in Bochum on Friday um, between uh, St. Pauli and Schalke. That's outrageous. I mean, what other fans would... Only in Germany you see that kind of stuff. This is ridiculous. I mean, like, you know... So was this Inter Gladbach all those years ago as well? The, the, with the, Unreal. With the, with, the, with the beer can that... Uh, I know that was, a, that was a very famously a, a, a Coca-Cola uh, right, uh, yes. can. And uh, I think it's, it's uh, in the Museum uh, of Borussia Mönchengladbach. <laughs> And we would never see that in France, Christophe. We, that would never happen in France. We would never or at see Old Trafford. Do you have any any helps for us? I mean, maybe we need some uh, collective uh, psychological things to to mm. to get get this problem solved. Maybe um, maybe Borkham's players should tweet before matches, urging their fans not to throw their beers. <laughs> oh no, they did. <laughs> yes, they actually did because um, uh, Bochum had that problem um, during the season already. Uh, there was an incident uh, uh, in a match uh, against home match against Union Berlin, and afterwards um, uh, Max Kruse was was um, mocking uh, Bochum supporters uh, for throwing beer. Uh, Union ha had had won, and he called them the. Bochum Aziz, it's, it's kind of a Bochum 
anti-socials or asocials or whatever. And um, and there was also when uh, Bochum went out at home in the very last minute of extra time in the German Cup against Freiburg. The Freiburg players mm. were celebrating close to the touchline and they were like in a hailstorm of beer marks. So they, they, so they, the club actually um, uh, uh, felt that they had to do something about it. Did it and... Uh, but very unsuccessfully. Unsuccessfully, indeed. Presumably this game gets awarded to Mönchengladbach, who, as we mentioned, were 2-0 up yes. at the time. Yes, okay. and, and, and there will be uh, probably also uh, uh, further penalties like uh, uh, a match without fans or a match that has been played uh, somewhere else than Bochum, uh, but that's right. open. Meanwhile, Felix Maggot's debut for her to Berlin was delayed by him <laughs> testing positive for COVID. Can you not put cheese on that? It's just a thought. Uh, uh, <laughs> but it meant, anyway, his absence meant that his newly appointed assistant, Scotland's Mark Fotheringham, took charge of the team. And how did Fotheringham get on? Uh, they, they were winning 3-0, and I think he's already a, a cult figure in Berlin. Uh, because um, after so many months of depressing uh, stories going on, and even most of the Hertha fans ha had the feeling that um, bringing in Felix Magatz was, was an, another depressing twist of the uh, ongoing Hertha story. And now Mark Fotheringham was, was on the touchline and he was extremely emotional and also in his press conference after the match and TV interviews and, and so on. And uh, people seem to absolutely love him. So uh, the 3-0 against Hoffenheim, uh, Hoffenheim, a team that is competing for uh, for Champions League places, um, is, is called now Fotheringham Day in Berlin. Ha! <laughs> it's their first victory of the year. That's, that's very sweet. Why did they hire? Why have they hired Felix Maggot, though? Uh, the the main idea seems to be desperation. I mean, uh, Felix Magath has been out of, of the business for, uh, at least in Germany, for 10 years. Afterwards, he had his famous uh, brief spell at Fulham. And uh, and, and later on, he, he was coaching in, in China. But he has a reputation as probably the last hard man um, uh, on the sideline, so the uh, you, you know his his uh, his nickname is Quelix, and so he in a way it it uh, suggests that he is torturing uh, his players and oh. not literally, but no, no. but uh, um, but but the the training that uh, that he he was doing was always extremely tough and um, also very old fashioned in a way and how he was talking to players and, and so on. And so it, it felt like it, it's a bit um, a decision that comes from a, a long gone era of football. Mm. Uh, but And we still don't know, but, but we have Fotheringham Day. Yeah, that's nice. But just out of interest, <laughs> the um, Kvelix, how, how does that work? What's the, what's the pun there? What's and Kvelix? Is that to torture? Yes, yes. Ah, all right. Every day a school day on the Totally Football Show. Bayern made it a very special weekend for Hertha by defeating their neighbours, Union, 4-0. Uh, uh, Robert Lewandowski with a brace there to take him to 31 goals. It's the fifth time he's reached 30 or more Bundesliga goals in a season. Obviously, he's got a, a ways to go because it's only, what, round 27. Also a record. 11 in 7 to be his own record from the 41. 11 in 7 is it's not impossible for him. Doable, yeah, and um, and and he is he is very. I mean, f for years, but especially in the last two years, he is um, so machine-like in in how he is playing. He is like 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 a like a machine that's never failing. It's it's mm. it's really fascinating. Erling Haaland was back for Dortmund, but they only managed a one-one draw against Köln. Have I done that right this time? Köln, Köln, Köln. That's it. 
Interesting <laughs> tactics from Dortmund, who went with two big blonde youngsters with their hair in top knots. <laughs> and they were constantly confused by some of the uh, TV commentators. Were they? Actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Marius Wolf being the other. Yeah, Marius Wolf, who was on loan uh, at Cologne the, uh, the season before, and um, yeah, but I mean this 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 duel for the German Championship uh, between um, uh, Bayern and Dortmund, uh, we've seen it again. We we knew it already, and uh, now we've seen it again. It's not actually one, and uh, the gap is again a bit bigger in favor of Bayern and um, yeah the, the, the quality gap is too big although Julian Nagelsmann was so uh, very unhappy about uh, the performance of his team uh, because uh, yeah it was a, a very solid uh, looking for 4-0 against Union Berlin but they gave away um, so many opportunities uh, to Union so no uh, Nagelsmann was not happy okay the focus will now be all on the Champions League, Christoph, where, as we mentioned before, Bayern Munich have got a favourable-looking draw against Villarreal. The other German sides in action, Leipzig, in the Europa League, will be taking on Atalanta. And in that self-same competition, Eintracht Frankfurt taking on a newly pimpante Barcelona. What were, what were the reactions to the draws in Germany? It was a lot of excitement in Frankfurt. Um, because Frankfurt is, they have something special. I mean, they really embrace uh, the Europa League. Um, they had this uh, some years ago. They they almost reached the final, and um, thousands and thousands of Eintracht Frankfurt tra uh, fans were traveling all over Europe. And I think it's similar in in in, in England, but especially in German uh, Germany, there is among a lot of even coaches or players, is my impression, a certain dislike of the Europa League. But um, Eintracht Frankfurt loves it. And I wouldn't be surprised if there wouldn't be like 10 or 15,000 people trying to go to Barcelona if they uh, if they uh, manage to get tickets. And um, because uh, they, they come en masse and uh, yeah, they will like it. Mm. Oh, legendary scenes in, in, in London. When was that? Two or three years ago when they were, they were marching their way up from Piccadilly? Yes. Am I dreaming? 2019? Yeah. 2019, yeah. yeah. They, they faced Arsenal. They played Bordeaux as well and they, they brought 14,000. <laughs> <laughs> 14,000 for the for the away game in Bordeaux, which was incredible. Yeah, amazing. They are also, we were talking about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and his uh, brace against Real Madrid, who he likes to score against. He also really likes to score against Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, 10 goals in 13 matches against them. Hmm. It's a tough draw, that, for Eintracht Frankfurt, although I'm sure they'll enjoy it. Leipzig, Atalanta and Villarreal, Bayern Munich. You'll be confident, I imagine, about Bayern Munich's chances against Villarreal. What about RB Leipzig? My guess it will be it will be pretty open with Leipzig being a slight favourite, possibly. I don't know what you guys are saying, what your impression James is smiling and... <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what's fascinating about this game is is you don't really know what you're going to get um, from either of them. I think uh, because Leipzig are a team that can score six on their day. Um, this is something that we used to expect of Atalanta. Um, they've had a lot of injuries of late and sold some players and others have gone on compassionate leave. And you've got the whole impact of, of, of the war on, on the fact that they've got a Ukrainian player Malinovsky and, and a Russian player in Miranchuk who, uh, who get on very well but you have this backdrop which can't be easy for, for both of them. So look I think Atalanta take great confidence from those two games against Leverkusen um, but it's a very, I think it's a very open uh, quarterfinal and in that I certainly agree with Christoph. Mm. Jules was alluding to a great story from Atalanta's, in other ways, mainly forgettable 1-0 win at Bologna on <laughs> Sunday night. And it was the, the man who resolved, who, in the Italian phrase, resolved the game, who, who settled the score with a, with a late goal, Mustafa Sisse. Yeah, wonderful story. A guy who a couple of months ago was playing amateur football. Um, 
you know, he uh, was playing for a team called ISD Rinascita um, down in Puglia. And it is a club that gives opportunities uh, to refugees and asylum seekers. And uh, Atalanta signed him in February. Uh, he's been playing for their under-19s and has made a real big impact already for them. Um, and so he got his debut last night. He came on uh, and, and he got the only goal of the game. So, uh, you know, I, th I think, again, it's testament to Atalanta's scouting, which has been the best in City A for the last six, seven years um, at all levels, senior and youth level. Um, and Gasparini, who is, has been such a great fit for them because he is a coach who is never afraid to go into the youth sector and give young players an opportunity. They hit the post last night in the first half through Giorgio Scalvini, their 18-year-old centre-back, who again had been uh, one of the stars of their under-19 side. And Gasparini thought, well, ultimately, it doesn't matter how old you are, it matters how good you are. Gave him the opportunity, as he did with Cissé, and that's ultimately what got them the win. Mm, doesn't matter where you're from, but where you're going as well. And Cissé, we only saw a short time from him in the game, but he didn't look at all out of place there playing top-flight football. Magnificent stuff. Christoph, who have Germany got lined up as friendlies for this international break? Um, the big one is next week against uh, at the Netherlands, our ah. local rival for mm. almost 50 years now. That will be a big one, and um, but uh, but let's see uh, how the team looks like because um, uh, COVID numbers in Germany are sky high, and that's also affecting professional football a lot. There were many many teams uh, that had many uh, players missing, so uh, let's let's see who Hansi Flick uh, can rely on uh, when they play Holland. Christoph Beermann. Lovely stuff. Next up, Jules. PSG, un autre semaine, un autre désastre. On vient Louis II très vite avec vous deux. La fin de Kevin Volant Et voilà, tu l'as piqué, Aurélien Tu l'as piqué, notre attaquant allemand, Kevin Volant de l'AS Monaco Jules, my attempts as, 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 as weak and shoddy as Paris Saint-Germain Sunday against Monaco, a 3-0 defeat. I think you speak better French than uh, than they play football right now. Yes. Which is not hard. I think all of us could could easily have played better on Sunday uh, than Neymar and Wijnaldum and Danilo and. and Neymar got two out of ten. I saw. Did he? Yeah, I think Wijnaldum yeah. as well. Two out of ten. Uh, Jeepers! Because that, that used to be that used to be quite rare that Lequipe would give a two, wasn't it? Yeah, then they gave nine to uh, Girassi Aren for the hat trick he scored. He was he was really good, but he was against uh -huh. Mets. So I'm I'm starting to lose a little bit of of faith in their in their ratings, but yeah, right. still it's significant anyway. I mean, Neymar could have had one or three because he was that bad. Yeah, uh, Pochettino took him off before the end as well, which, as we know, for Pochettino to take you out, you must be really, really, really bad, uh, especially if you're called Neymar. So it was just a, a shit show. Can I say that it was a shit show? <laughs> right. How do you say? Show in French. Un show de merde. Un show de merde, yeah. Spectacle de merde. It was terrible. Spectacle de merde. It was one of the worst performances I've seen in the last 10 years, easily since the Qatari took over. Seriously? That bad, yeah. It was terrible. Okay, Lionel Messi was absent due to... Wait, he had the flu? He had the flu, yeah. Jules, what I found kind of hilarious... I think they all had hilarious. the flu, to be fair. It looks like they must have all had diarrhea, the flu, bad stomach bug, headache... Anything they could not run, they could not think, they could not pass the ball. They, I mean, the 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 balls they gave away, every bad touch. It was just, it was really, really, really bad. Jules, uh, what I found kind of astonishing about this was was it wasn't expected in that on the morning of the game, uh, the French media were reporting that it was a revolution going to happen in Monaco. That Rubilovic was getting rid of everybody, chief That's executive, right. sporting director, coach, all out in the bin. Uh, what great preparation that must have been for PSG, thinking, wow, look, there's a club yeah. in a worse state than we are. Yeah, yeah you're right. L'Equipe reported that, and the guy who did is really well informed over there. He follows them all season. Uh, and what was funny, James, is that after the game, when we asked the players the, the question about, you know, did you read what, what was written in L'Equipe the morning of the game, and, or this morning, uh, they all said, 
and especially Aguilar who said like, yeah, we even talked about it between us and it's not nice. You wake up, you've got loads of messages on your phone because people have read it and all that uncertainty and all that instability, which has always been a problem in Monaco and in many other clubs, but especially in Monaco. So not really, as you said, the ideal preparation. And yet they just stormed and walked over this PSG team that was un unrecognizable, of course, but still, it's, as, you, as you're about to say, James, I think they deserve a lot of credit still. Okay. As for Paris Saint-Germain, since beating Real Madrid in the first leg of their Champions League tie, they've lost four out of six. Is this just the entire team downing tools because they know that their season's done, they've won the league pretty much, and their manager's leaving? Yeah, I think there's a bit of that. I think it's, it's, it's not a very good collective, as we've been saying all along. Nothing has been worked on, put in place by Pochettino and his staff to make this team strong, even if your individuals are not responding. This team has only performed this season because of Mbappé especially, and then Messi to a certain extent, and that's it. No one else, nothing else. When you see the form of Marquinhos or Kimpembe or the midfield, it's shocking. It's really shocking. And I think we go back to the same thing. Pochettino is not the, is not the only one to be blamed for. He was not on the pitch physically on Sunday. It was not him lacking motivation and commitment and etc. But that's his job is to make that team motivated, to find a way for them to play better, to play as a team, to build something, to create something. And instead, there's nothing. This is the worst season since 2011 when the Qataris took over. And surely, surely the manager has the responsibility for that. It's, it's a terrible season. Because they also won the transfer window, remember? <laughs> Some people yeah. were saying this was the best yeah. transfer window of all time. But yeah, but whether... What, whether it was not you, Jules. Messi not, or not you, not you. No, 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 I did say myself. I think Donnarumma, Hakimi, Wijnaldum are really good signing. Messi is a is a different. It's a different. It's in a different world and a, a different. It's a different context even. But with those players, with the squad that Pochettino has, even if it's an unbalanced squad, of course, and there's there's weaknesses and it, it lacks a few things there and there. But they should be playing so much better than what we've seen all season long, apart from the first leg against Real Madrid, I guess maybe the first half in the second leg, and then 20, 30 minutes there and there. The rest has been terrible. Like mm. one of the worst football we've seen, again, since the Qatari took over. We're behind Laurent Blanc, Carlo, Tuchel at the beginning. Even Unai Emery played better football than that crap. Wow. <laughs> PSG have responded in the past by going out and spending... Really insane, but totally commercially viably generated sums of money on on players from their rivals. Yeah. There, there have been suggestions at this time, though, this has marked the high watermark of all of this, and that they're going to be going for a, a different kind of project from now on. Is is any further feeling on that, or are we we still don't know? We have well, uh, let's wait and see who's the sporting mm. director because Leonardo cannot stay. It's impossible. Let's see how clever they are and what kind of profile they get. If they go and get Paratici, who is an Italian version of Leonardo, I don't see the point. I really okay. don't see the point. I don't mind Paratici. I don't mind Leonardo. I don't think Leonardo is very good at what he's been doing the last two years. Paratici, the jury is still out. But there's no point. If you change, at least go for something different. Same for right. the manager. Poch is not going to be there. There's no, there's no way they're going to keep him now. Let's see who they get. From. And then from that point... We'll see how really serious they are about changing the mentality, the dynamic, the momentum. And instead of becoming a marketing club, if we can please go back to being a football club to start with, that would be, that would be good enough. Mm. Any truth in these rumours I'm seeing about Ronald Koeman being the manager next year? <laughs> Jules, I mean, come back! If that's the case... I... Frank De Boer? <laughs> I think, yeah. They're, they're uh, re-signing Rabio. <laughs> oh my God, can you imagine? I'm going right. to have nightmares now. All right. Well, next up, we'll finish off today's Totally Football Show with a little bit more chat about Syria, including a quick throw forward to what awaits on Thursday night for Italy. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu.
on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. So we mentioned the Rome derby earlier on and Atalanta's win away at Bologna. The news up at the top of the table was that Inter dropped points. This time, they only managed a 1-1 draw at home to Fiorentina, leaving them six points behind Milan now, although they have a game in hand over Milan and second place, Napoli. Napoli, who came from behind at home to Udinese with a 2-1 victory. Milan themselves had maintained their advantage with a 1-0 win away at Cagliari, in which Ismail Benassar scored an absolutely wonderful volley to under three points, but the game's ending was soured by racist abuse for Milan goalkeeper Mike Magnon and to an extent for Gaia Tomori as well when he came over and bottles being thrown and a bit of a scuffle between the two teams as well. James, as you were pointing out on Sunday, this all came in the middle of a weekend dedicated by Serie A to the fight against racism. Yeah, uh, Serie A every weekend usually has an initiative. This weekend of all weekends, it was keep racism out. Um, I would say to their credit, they have launched more and more anti-racism initiatives. I do get them in my inbox from their press office. And there have been a few over the last few weeks. But still, um, you can talk and talk and talk uh, unless you act um, these things will continue to happen. And unfortunately, they regularly happen when black players go and play away at Cagliari um, because we've seen it. I mean, the list is long. Um, you have Balotelli, Eto, Sulimuntari, uh, Romelu Lukaku, Moise Ken, um, and Mike Mainiano and Fikaya Tomori. Um, now, you know, Cagliari have yeah, taken action, particularly after what happened to Lukaku. I think they were heavily criticised after the Kane uh, incident, which had happened uh, before that, and three fans were identified and, and, and banned for life. Um, now, the Italian Football Federation has opened an investigation, so we need to await what happens. Um, but, yeah, this, this has been a problem that has been going on for too long. I think the league has been asleep at the wheel um, for a lot of it and underestimate the damage it does to the victims of this abuse, because yeah, it's it's actually pretty sad to say it that you know, whenever whenever you turn on a calorie game, you're worried about what what you know what might happen, um, mm. and you, you know you you empathise with the players who who suffer this abuse, and and also the, I think the league underestimates the the damage it does to its own image, um, because I think uh, outside of Italy, that is that if you were to ask them. If you ask the people what are the five things you think of when you think of Serie A, yeah, I think racist incidents is one of the things that comes up. Um, so they need to change that by taking decisive action. And you know, as much as they want to focus on infrastructure and their eight million viewers on YouTube and growing the game internationally, um, if they're serious about growing growing the league internationally, then they have to recognise that a lot of their audience would be offended by some of the things that they hear and see uh, in games around Serie A. Mm. As well as, as you say, as an act of, as a duty of care, really, towards the uh, the players who um, who make Absolutely. up the league. Mm. Sadly, the same thing happened in Spain on Monday. Real Madrid played at Mallorca, and there were racist chants uh, towards Vinicius Junior. Uh, they talking some terrible things. And La Liga had to report it to the Committee of Anti-Violence of... Uh, you know, of uh, the, the Spanish FA, because uh, it was quite remarkable. And as soon as I saw the TV images, I mean, it was horrible. I mean, it was uh, coming from one of the stands of Mallorca, and it was just not only one fan doing that, but a few just insulting very badly uh, Vinicius Jr. What kind of action do you think will be taken in that case? Uh, I think that they will try to single out those fans to start with and probably ban them from the ground for a long time, if not for life. And... Uh, there could be a potential sanction for the club if the club doesn't help enough mm. just to hi-fi those supporters. Uh, it's not the same, the first thing that, or the first time that this happens in Spain over the last years, because I remember that Iñaki Williams got a very similar one against Espanol a couple of seasons ago. So it is the kind of thing that looks like eradicated, but every now and then uh, there are new sad episodes of uh, racist mm. incidents. A lift a rock, and there it is, indeed. Yep. Mm. Uh, anyway, in the title race, uh, Inter. Really falling off 
six points back. Now, they do have that game in hand. However, when they return from the international break, they're going to be facing Juve, who are now only three points behind them. Crikey. Uh, James, are Juve signing Antonio Rudiger? <laughs> well, for now, I mean, they're one of the clubs that's interested, um, but they're not the only club interested mm. uh, in, in signing Antonio Rudiger. I think Juventus are going to be more disciplined on salaries than they have been in the past when it comes to what they offer prospective free agents. Because I think one of the problems over the last couple of years um, has been not getting bang for their buck uh, when it comes to Adrian Rabiot, when it comes to Aaron Ramsey. And um, as much as people will say, oh, well, they got them for free, that's irrelevant. They're not free. The operating costs are huge. Mm. The the figures on how much Ramsey cost them per second were extraordinary, no? <laughs> so they have to be mindful of that. However, they will be making room on their wage bill because um, as we record on Monday afternoon, Paolo Dybala's agent, Jorge Antun, had a meeting with the Juventus hierarchy and uh, Paolo Dybala will not be extending his contract uh, at Juventus. So expect this to be one of the major themes in the build-up to the Debbie d'Italia um, because uh, Inter's chief executive Beppe Marotta uh, was the person who signed Dybala for Juventus seven years ago. And at this moment in time, even though it looks very difficult to imagine where he would fit in at Inter, um, you know, given that they've got... Jeco, they've got Lautaro, they've got Alexis, they've got Felipe Caicedo, uh, Man City legend. Um, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's a bit of a mystery at the moment where, mm. where Dybala would fit in. Where they, but Inter have where he to go there. Have let it be known in the past that they would be interested in bringing him across. Mm, quite the strike partnership with him and uh, Lukaku next season, by the by the sound of it. Anyway, there'll be plenty of time to discuss <laughs> discuss that. But uh, it's the international break next. We're kind of out of time in today's show, but of course it's a huge week for Italy as they take on North Macedonia in the first of potentially two World Cup qualifying playoffs. Last time Italy were in the playoffs was for the Russian World Cup. It didn't go well, knocked out by Sweden. Will it be different this time round? We're going to dedicate our Thursday show to the qualifying playoffs and we're actually going to record it a day early so it gets out in time for you to hear it, enjoy it, etc. before the games are actually played and make a mockery of our predictions. Uh, James, you'll join us again for that, but uh, how worried are you for Italy ahead of the North Macedonia game? Uh, on a scale of one to ten, ahead of the North Macedonia game. Um, mm. uh, I'm not as worried about that as, as I would be about uh, prospectively having to play Turkey in Turkey or Portugal in Portugal. Mm, indeed. All I've right, already well, booked to go to a Porto, so that definitely means that Turkey will be playing in the in the playoff final so interesting interesting yeah all right well more of that on wednesday ahead of thursday night's first round of qualifiers for now though that's it for this edition of the totally football show european edition many thanks alvaro and james and, and jules who's done one already and christoph who likewise producer charlie's still there and so are you listener bizarrely thank you so much for that We'll take the week off on Monday because the regular Totally Football show will, will handle all the reaction to the weekend internationals. But the uh, regular European edition will return in two weeks' time. Hopefully, you'll be with us for that. For now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.